0: morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Um, I might suggest uh, to Simon, uh, if you can't think of a gift, um, ask someone else who's a better gift giver. That's what I always do because I really struggle and uh, people don't like my gifts, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, my name is Young, lead pastor here at New Life. Um, if I haven't met you yet, it's great to be with you. And it's great to speak to you. Um, hopefully we can catch up after the service and we can get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, last week, we began a new series in First Corinthians called "United as One." You see that on screen there, um, and we looked at the opening to Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and we examined some of the context behind the letter. Um, hopefully, we we're able to gain a little bit of insight into our own context as well um, as we read through this letter. Uh, we are going to be taking a bit of a medium pace through this letter, and so we're going to be breaking up the letter into four sections. So you can see kind of a little bit of a subtitle next to United as One, it says One in Mind. And so that's gonna be the first section that we look through, it'll be about five sermons. Uh, We'll also be looking at one in body, one in heart, and one in resurrection, Um, and there'll be breaks in between. Today, uh, what we're looking at is the first of five sermons, as mentioned, through One in Mind. And so you can see on screen uh, the different sermon titles, if that interests you, and then um, how the Uh, letter is broken up uh, for us, for our sermon series. And for all of this section, one in mind, we'll be looking to end up with the same understanding and the same conviction uh, to land us on the same page together uh, so that we can be one in mind. How about I pray for us and then we'll get straight into the word. Uh, Father, we come together this morning uh, knowing, Lord, that your son Jesus is the basis for why we're here. Your son Jesus is the basis for why we have eternal life with you. It's nothing that we've done for ourselves. Uh, we can stack up all the good works that we do in our lives, and yet we can find that we have nothing to offer to you. And so we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for this commonality that we have together. Uh, we pray, Lord, that we will look to him and him alone, not to anything else that brings us together, God. We desire to be united as one. We desire to be one in mind in these things. And so we ask, Lord, that you would remove anything that creates division in us. If that's in our own hearts, Lord, we ask that you would just help us to examine ourselves, that you would help us, Lord, to examine what it is that causes division, what it is that causes disunity, and that you would help us, Lord, to let go of that love Let go of whatever that is that we might be able to even ask you to kill this love for us, that we might truly unite as one under you. We ask, Lord, that you would illuminate this word to our hearts, God, uh, that you would give us a great wisdom that's not of this world, but that's of you, and that you would help us, Lord, to examine ourselves and to really give ourselves to you and to this community. Help us, Lord, to love you and love one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, over the course of the last few years, with the pandemic and the fallout afterwards, um, I did something that I never thought I would do. Um, I got informed on politics. I got really interested in politics. It used to be that when I would go to the voting booth, okay, I didn't know that it wasn't compulsory at the time to register yourself, and so I did, unfortunately. And I used to just tick the funny sounding names because I figured, Hey, if I'm going to throw my vote away, then I might as well give it to the guy who was very unique in coming up with the name of their political party. But maybe because I was getting a little bit older, you know, maybe because I wanted to try to leave a better planet for my son, um, and my theology on what the future would look like started changing and growing as well, I started to read a little bit more about policies, about what parties stood for, and I started caring a little bit more about the world uh, that I would be leaving behind. Now, this had a bit of a discouraging side effect uh, that I didn't anticipate and that, you know, as I was reading and learning about the politics, um, it exposed me to just so much division. I mean, it ex- exposed me to just so many people, name-calling, just... The biggest divide was between the two main parties, okay? I don't know if you've ever gotten interested in this stuff. If you've ever picked up a newspaper, you've probably seen this already, right? As I was reading uh, news stories and discussions, I got really worn out by all the name-calling, all the arguing, sometimes not even about the politicians or the parties, but about supporters on the other side. Like these are like nameless, faceless people that they've never met, and it's just like mudslinging about them as well. It's like uh, we think about arguing and debating. You know, you would imagine that you're trying to win the person over to your side. And I don't really know how this works. You know, like people aren't going to step back from their computers and say. Wow, like, him calling me an idiot really just showed me the lights, and now I know who I need to vote for. Thank you. You know, it doesn't happen that way, right? These are all Aussies as well. These are all Australian people. Shouldn't we be working towards a common goal together rather than hurting each other? You know, rather than, like, we should be upholding one another's rights, our dignity. We should be doing these things as Australians, you would believe how are we going to call someone a name for their political beliefs one day and then go to the voting booth and grab a sausage sizzle from them the next day? Like, it doesn't work that way because we don't break bread with people that we would never invite to our table. Now, in this letter uh, to the church in Corinth, Paul makes a request for unity. He urges them, he appeals to them, he even begs them as brothers and sisters on the basis of his relationship with them. Okay, read with me the first verse there. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. So Paul's call to unity is simultaneously going against disunity. You know, it makes sense, Right? And with this, he's dealing with the issues that create this this disunity. And we're gonna see what those things are so that unity can be achieved. He doesn't just talk about what unity looks like. He calls out the things that are causing division among them. Why is it so important that there be no division in comparison to this impressive rhetoric that they're used to in the city of Corinth? Remember last week, this is a very prosperous city. Really good speakers keep showing up to the city, and so they're exposed to some really good speakers, and then they hear Paul. It's so boring, just so one-note. Others might have taken offense to the fact that he's refused their patronage. He continued to work as a tent maker, and we read this later in, ver- in chapter 9. He refuses their financial support. This was a really big cultural thing in you know the Greco-Roman society at that time, where respected teachers took support from their patrons, and to reject it might be perceived as a rejection of friendship. Right? Do we have this today? We kind of do, right? Like We have like, YouTube creators. They're always begging us, you know, go to Patreon, support. And it kind of makes us feel like, oh, yeah, we're along with, in the journey. We can kind of direct them in some way, right? The Apostle Paul has heard this report from Chloe's people. Verses 11 to 12. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people that there's rivalry among you. What I am saying is this one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. The church in Corinth is divided because different members think different leaders are superior to others, and they've taken sides. It's like a, it's less like a church, and it's more like a cult of personality. You know, I really like this particular leader. I'm a man of Paul, or I'm a man of Apollos. With this church in Corinth, looking to magnetic personalities, and skill in speaking for their assessment of leadership. This is the only way that they can assess whether or not this is a good leader to follow. So they've grown overly attached to certain leaders, like how Christians today might listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube clip of a particular preacher. Like, how do we hear about these people? It's because of the reputation that they hold among the people around us. The way that they speak or unpack things that we really become fans of. And this might even happen in our local context as well. We give our allegiance to different pastors for their styles and preaching mostly. A new life whether someone feels like a better fit because of the way they speak, or whatever else causes you to follow a leader, the fruit of our listening to a Christian leader cannot be disunity. If it causes disunity, there's something wrong. This would tell us that something at the root of our hearts is wrong. We don't have the correct motives in following a particular Christian leader. A lack of unity might not seem like a big issue to you at first, okay? You might be wondering, why are we spending an entire week talking about this? Why, are we, why did Paul write this? You know, given some of the really awful stuff that you read about later in this letter, maybe some of the, thins, the sins that you think about or that you know that, you know, your friends at church are involved in, lack of unity speaks to a broken understanding of Christ at the center, Unity cannot be purely based on things like race, things like social status, or personality. This isn't what unites us. Like, if you look around you, a lot of us are the same race, okay? But not all of us are the same personality. I'm sure you know that already, looking around us. The only one thing that truly brings us together in our diversity is our relationship to Christ. We're born of God. We're brothers and sisters in the family of God our Father. This is the one thing that truly brings us all together. When Paul makes his appeal to the church in Corinth, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. That highlighted word there, united, he underlines the importance of this unity. The word we have here, united, doesn't quite do justice to it. In the original Greek that it was written in, this word is used in surgical context for restoring or mending. Okay? We have a few surgeons and doctors here, right? As in the setting of broken bones. You know how important this is if you've ever broken a bone or if you've ever seen someone break a bone. Paul is saying that broken relationships in the church are as in need of restoration as broken bones are in need of setting. You don't just leave broken bones and hope for the best. They'll grow back a little bit, kind of funny. So brothers and sisters, Paul addresses the church in Corinth as brothers and sisters as he calls them to unity not only because of his love for them, okay, he's pastored them for a year and a half, but because brothers and sisters might argue at times, okay? If you have siblings, if you are sitting near any siblings, you know, you might already recognize this. You argue with them sometimes, but your family relationship to one another, it gives you a reason to reconcile. You're not going to get around the same dinner table later on if you've just been arguing and you're not talking anymore you got to be united as brothers and sisters. So I want to do the same here. Brothers and sisters, we must be reconciled with one another. We must be restored with one another. We must be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. It starts here at New Life for us, but also extends further on to the other churches in Sydney and other churches around the world. Verse 13 reads, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? To be divided in our loyalties is, in a sense, to divide Christ, to tear him apart. If a kingdom stands divided in itself, the kingdom cannot stand, Jesus tells us. So let's put him back together. Jesus is the one who was crucified for you. Not Paul, not Steve, not Matt, not me. Definitely not me. If that's the case, how do we look back to Jesus? Paul talks about baptism here as, you know, maybe the people of Corinth, some of them were aligning themselves more with certain leaders depending on who baptized them even. But what do we find out in our baptism series? I promise. Baptism is about God's promise to us. It's not about the pastor who's carrying out the sacrament. It's not even about our own faith or our own preparedness, it's about God. Maybe the church in Corinth could have benefited from such thinking. Instead, they took on the values of the city around them, where close association with certain leaders could elevate their status. They see in other religions that the person who initiates you, you get kind of tight. You get really, you know, you start following them with all your heart. Those who are baptized by Paul are maybe now looking to these, this apostle with hopes that he'd appreciate their allegiance to him. And that he'd elevate their status now. Maybe this is why they're telling him about all this. And so this is probably not quite the response that they expected, verses 14 to 16. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't recall if I baptized anyone else. Paul's actually glad that he didn't do many baptisms at the church in Corinth. Like, pastorally speaking, this is a little bit weird for me to think about, okay? But he actually thanks God that he didn't baptize that many people there. Why? Are baptisms bad? No. It's because he doesn't want any part in the little rivalries that are popping up in the church members. He doesn't even want his name to be even loosely associated with what's going on there. I love that he can't even remember if he baptized certain people. Like we've, we're, what, two, three weeks removed from baptisms? Imagine if I'm like, like, who are you again? And I just, you know, dumped all this water on your head? Verse 16, it's like he's scratching his head as he says this. Either he's suddenly remembered or the person who is helping him because he's dictating this letter to him, he reminds him, right? And Paul corrects himself saying, oh, yeah, that's right. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephan. this entire household of Stephanus that he forgot. You know, as an aside, I really love this verse because it really shows the way that God uses humanity, flawed humanity, to bring grace to his people. The fact that the Bible contains this, like, actually, come to think of it, I did baptize these guys, you know, on Paul's part. It, it's good for my soul as well, my forgetful soul. Like, I've forgotten someone's name at Friday night prayer as well, and I'm so sorry. Um, if you've ever forgotten, anyway, let's move on, all right. Maybe the fact that Paul forgot that he baptized the household of Stephanus doesn't sit well with the people from that household. But this really just speaks to the fact that God is an important figure in these acts, in baptism. Even at our baptisms and confirmations this year, one of those guys getting confirmed, he couldn't remember the pastor who had baptized him. And he hadn't been baptized. Like, he was baptized in high school, I think. But he couldn't remember pastor, but that's right. That's the way that it should be, isn't it? Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Paul's goal is that the gospel is preached, that all people everywhere, Jews and Gentiles alike, together as the children of God, Worship God alongside one another in unity. Brothers and sisters, if this is going to be our goal as well, glorifying God's name among the nations, we need to rid ourselves of the things that are causing disunity amongst us, the sinful influences of the culture around us. Whether it is things like disunity, whether it's things like sexual immorality, whether it's idolatry, greed, whatever else that we're going to examine in 1 Corinthians. If you miss a week during one of those weeks, I'll know what you're struggling with. <laughs> That's just a joke. Okay. As we're, re- as we're uh, ridding ourselves of these things that divide us, we can find unity in the gospel, in the cross of Jesus Christ, not in the eloquent wisdom that the people of Corinth were used to, of trying to impress people through their wits, through the speaking skill, but the message of the gospel of grace that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. This is the simplified version of the gospel, right? This is what saves people. Maybe for the people of Corinth, they desire to be entertained, to have their heads spun around by the preacher's eloquence and their sharp wit. But to Paul, this would go directly against the message of the cross, which is foolishness to some, and offensive to others. We're going to do something really simple to end the sermon today. Okay, We're going to unite under truth once again this morning, and we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together. We did this together just a few weeks ago at the baptism service. This is a creed that sums up our beliefs together. Let's unite together in this, okay? So you'll see that on the screen there. So follow along with me. One, two, three. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Before I pray, if anyone does have any questions about any of that, please feel free to speak to me, uh, because I know these aren't normally just words that we might recite to ourselves all the time. Um, But if you do have any questions about some of that, um, do speak to me and we'll talk through it. Okay, let me pray for us. Father, we want to unite under the banner of only Jesus Christ. We don't want to to unite under some Christian leader somewhere, under the pastor here. We want to unite only in Jesus. Let us not take sides. Let us not become rivals with one another. Let us elevate one another rather than putting ourselves above, believing ourselves to be in an upper class of Christian just because of the leader that we follow. We want to be united in this endeavor that we might be able to preach the gospel to all of Sydney together with the other churches, the other pastors, the other congregants and other churches. Indeed, Lord, we want that to be the fruit that defines new life that we have a great unity that cannot be shaken, that we're not divided on these issues, that we have a great love and respect for one another. Would you help us in this endeavor? If it takes for us to rid ourselves, our hearts, of an inordinate love or an inordinate allegiance to a Christian leader, would you help us in that? May it be only your name, Glorified here. Only in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Young. Yes, as we sing this last song.